Swing and a line drive, left field, Ben Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. have won the world championship welcome to benny and the bets podcast can you believe it here's your host terry cushman Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. And tonight, one of the biggest scandals of all time that the Red Sox kind of indirectly had a role in. So we'll get into it. Alex Cora has been fired as the manager of the Boston Red Sox. That'll be a lot of what we get into tonight. We will talk about some potential candidates that uh, we may want brought in. And then we'll have maybe a few candidates we don't want brought in. So we'll be getting to all of that. Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight, whether it's on iTunes, YouTube, wherever you can find us, because we're literally everywhere. Uh, joining me tonight, uh, basically for the second show in a row, Andrew Dwan and Jason Kelly. How are you, gentlemen? Doing well. Doing well. Good to be back. Yeah, this is uh, suddenly starting to be an action-packed winter after like the deadest off-season I can possibly remember. So good to be here. That's true. Yeah. This is my second show. I did interview an Astros podcaster last night, Rob Fontenot, and we mostly covered the Astros side of it, and uh, the Red Sox kind of fell in line today. So here we are. We we do not have a manager in the month of January. Uh, That's probably the only time it's ever happened, Uh, you know. And Are you guys 30 yet? I got to imagine I'm the oldest one on here. Okay. I just turned yeah. this year. Yeah. Yeah, 30, I'm 31. 31, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'll am i be 37 in July. But I, I always joke, though, that I'm a low mileage uh, 36 because, you know, I've never been married and I don't have kids. So <laughs> less wear and tear. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I guess, uh, Andrew, let's lead off with you. What was your reaction today to the Red Sox firing a fairly popular manager? I wish I could say I was surprised, but as we touched on last week, we all saw this coming. Um, The most surprising thing to me was the surprise of all the other people around. We all saw the writing on the wall, especially after the punishments for the Astros were handed down and Lunau passed the buck to Cora. It was inevitable at that point. We all know John Henry and crew over there do not like any sort of drama. They don't like any sort of controversy. So they were absolutely letting Cora lay on the sword here. So I am not shocked. Um, I'm just really interested to see what happens now in terms of punishments uh, handed down by the league. Hopefully they're not as strict as the first and second round picks that the Astros got for back-to-back years. Uh, couldn't care less about the $5 million. That's a drop in the bucket for those guys over there. So I'm really just hoping that by them preemptively firing Cora before MLB handed down the punishments that maybe they go a little bit lighter um, on the team. But, yeah, I'm not too optimistic at this point. I'm expecting at least one first-round pick and some international bonuses to be uh, taken away from the team. So we'll see in a couple years what the full effect is. Jason? Yeah, uh, I was not shocked that he was fired. I I think we all expected that that would come down, especially given how the Astros handled their situation. It would have looked ridiculous if the Red Sox hadn't fired Alex Cora, especially since we don't know what his punishment's going to be, but all the reporting says it's going to be much worse than what Hinch and Lunau got. And if they got a year, what's much worse than a year? We're talking multiple years here. Um I was a little surprised at the piece that came out in the Boston Globe about the, you know, Shaughnessy wrote that the Red Sox or that he had heard that the Red Sox were going to support 
Cora that came out earlier today. And then it was just, you know, by the evening he was gone. Um, so I, I thought that was surprising because why would John Henry's newspaper come out with that? And then a couple hours later, oh, no, just kidding. He's gone. So I thought that sort of that that tonal shift was a little bit odd. But other than that, not shocking. He, he had to go. Um, whatever suspension he's going to get, it's going to be too lengthy. You can't hang on to a manager who's suspended for multiple seasons because logistically that just doesn't make sense. You can't bring a guy in here, whether it's Ron Renicki or anyone else, and say, well, you're the manager for the next two and a half years until Alex comes back. Like No one's going to take that job. So I wasn't shocked. I thought it was the right move. And uh, now they've got some work to do because pitchers and catchers report in like a month. So they've, they've got to get on the managerial search and whether it's, you know, a simple in-house move or they want to make it more complicated, whatever, but they got to get moving. And how do you hang by your guy if it is a two-year suspension? After that's up, it would have been the club option. His contract would have run up anyways. So are you really expected to pick up a club option after a guy hasn't managed in over 300 games? It, just, it wasn't feasible. So, no. yeah, this was just totally inevitable. Um, I thought all the people that called all of us crazy for thinking he was going to be on the chopping block, uh, <laughs> I'm just – I'm shocked that people are as surprised as they are, quite frankly. I think there's a reasonable, and I guess by reasonable, maybe 50-50, that he could be potentially banned for life. You know, I mean, his, he was listed 11 times in that report. Luno threw him under the bus, uh, you know, in his statement. Uh, You know, Hinch wasn't, quite as slimy with his statement. He did try to distance himself a little bit, but you know what with Hinch, he, if you look back to all those clips though, he was extremely defiant in all of them. Mm -hmm. And he would kind of chastise the, you know, maybe indirectly the media or, or the people that were basically chirping him. So I thought he was incredibly guilty and, you know, I thought he should have taken a little bit more ownership, but Cora was listed everywhere, and I just wonder if if it will be a lifetime ban. And I think what it'll come down to is, was Cora honest with the investigators? If if he wasn't, I think the chances go way up for a lifetime ban. If not, maybe it's a three-year ban or something. It doesn't sound like he was honest with the team if they finally just heard about this, what, two weeks ago? So I can't imagine he was that straightforward with the uh, with the MLB investigator. So uh, yeah, even if it's not truly a lifetime ban, I don't see a team taking a chance on him. So exactly, uh, yeah, he put his own exit plan here. So yeah, I think we saw the last of Alex Cora in uh, in baseball because all these high baseball IQ mediocre skill guys are retiring every year and they're just getting a fresh batch of managerial candidates after they put in two three years in the minors or as uh hitting coaches or bench coaches so um once you blow an opportunity time tends to pass you by so this is this is just gonna be a critical stage of his career he's gonna miss so i don't see him coming back yeah, and that, that's an excellent point. And, you know, I wouldn't take a chance on him. If I was a team, I wouldn't want draft picks lost if, you know, he was up to no good. I mean, he started that he was not a coach in Major League Baseball until he was hired as a bench coach with Houston. He didn't, he wasn't a bench, uh, third base coach, first base coach. I don't know if he did anything in the minors. I think he did stuff in the Caribbean, you know, instructional stuff. But but two months into his first gig as a coach, he masterminds one of the biggest scandals in the history of the league that quickly, <laughs> that quickly. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, that's just kind of, you know, kind of weird. And with the Shaughnessy article... You know, I I can't remember. I I think I shared that to our little group chat, but it did mention the two sources. But I think Shaughnessy got that wrong because the statement they had was a joint statement. The press release, if you guys read it, they had statements from ownership in it. And then towards the bottom, Alex Cora. So that took a little bit of time to, you know, 
be put together and whatnot. And so I just, I really think Shaughnessy got it wrong, but, but I, that article really irked me. And I'm like, I said, I'm driving the truck, I'm hauling mail and I'm just like stewing like the whole time in the truck. And I'm like, he has to fire him. Like, what will all of the other teams think of the Red Sox if they don't do the right move here? Do they really want to be paranoid? Oh, the Red Sox are coming to town, Alex Cora, or or they're coming to Boston. They're coming into our house. You know, what's going to be up? And how is John Henry going to keep the respect of the other owners if, if he keeps him? And... I was seriously preparing to do a live stream, which I do some during the season. I might do them every day, and they range from happy to psychotic, you know. And tonight was definitely going to be a psychotic one, and I was going to be like, "John Henry needs to sell the team," blah blah blah. You know, I was really going to freak out because I'm like, I'm just sick of them botching things, and I don't think this. I think this ultimately got handled right. I would have liked it to happen yesterday. But, you know, but it, it got worked out. You know, it wasn't like the Dombrowski firing where, you know, we sat around for a week or so, you know, theorizing and whatnot. So, um, yeah, so that was the right call. Let me ask you guys this, though. When the season ended last year, where were you on Cora? Were you guys pro Cora? In the middle, you know, were you a little irked by some things? Like, where where did you stand at the end of the season? I mean, I was still mostly pro Cora. Um, I, I was not happy with the 2019 season at all, but I felt like he more got let down by the players than the players got let down by him. Um, I thought that, you know, the, the number of players who just underperformed and, you know, just didn't show up for the 2019 season. I don't know how you can put that on Cora, but obviously he's not completely without blame. He didn't have a good season either. I thought the way he managed the bullpen and the, the starting rotation at times wasn't great. But I was still like, okay, it's his second year, so whatever. He, he still won the World Series the year before. It's his second year. He'll learn from it. You know, I, I was still mostly pro core, and obviously that was before we knew about any of this other stuff. Right. I was different. I'm not a big the manager makes the world a difference in baseball kind of guy. Um, I don't think it's too impactful unless you got an idiot like Grady Little leaving a pitcher in too long, um, or another guy that's just burning through bullpen arms or starting pitchers. So I'm not. I'm not overly worried right now um, if we do have to replace Cora. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to be that impactful, quite frankly. So if he go, well, obviously he's going. Uh, whoever replaces him, I don't think we're really going to skip a beat. We got some noise coming in from someone. I don't know if it was – it's gone now. Um, and, um, all right, so basically – I was also I was more pro Cora, you know, myself at the end of the year. Uh, there were some things that kind of bothered me. I hated how he gave guys days off, especially if it was the day before an off day. That would just drive me up the wall. Um, you know, you talked about load management with Chris Sale and like two starts before he goes out with the elbow injury. He's pitching against the the Royals when the score is like eight to one in the eighth inning. I'm like, where's the load management in that? I don't I don't recall what the bullpen was like the game before, but if my you know if my memory serves me right, I think we were fine. So, I you know I think that was a little reckless. I don't think he necessarily held his veterans accountable. Like you never heard of him going after like David Price for screwing around or. You know, Rick Porcello, like the TV thing. I mean, I laughed and we were out of the playoffs by that point anyway when he punched out both the TVs. But, you know, I don't like to see that stuff. We saw him get on Devers in spring training in like the first few weeks of the season for his defense. We saw him get on Erod early on because he wasn't efficient. You know, pitch count was drifting. And so we saw it with the young guys. I just never saw it with the veterans. And, I would have loved hearing a story about how Alex Cora destroyed his office because he was pissed off at, 
you know, Chris Sale or whatever, you know, because that would have told me, okay, he's going after these guys. He's trying to keep them in line. And we just never really saw that. So those were some things that kind of bothered me a little bit going forward. But I did think he was kind of a, a high IQ guy. The bullpen actually got kind of reined in the last couple of months. You know, uh, you know, Josh Taylor had emerged. Uh, Darwin's and Hernandez was kind of coming into form as a reliever. Um, you know, Workman, I thought, was okay. You know, probably not the ideal closer, you know, in a big market. But, but you know, held his own. And so that was nice. We were still the number one offense for the most part in a lot of categories, at least going into September. So, um, so you know, I thought there was still cause for optimism, you know, going forward, you know, aside from the financial stuff we're going through. But, but once this stuff came out, I didn't want the distraction. I don't want to take crap from other... I'm a lightning rod on Twitter anyway. I, I talk shit and I, I get so much shit in return. I just don't want to deal with that with Cora. And, you know, we might have the Mookie Betts distraction all year long with the stupid extension stuff. And who knows what David Price is going to do, you know. So that's that's where I was. But, you know, it's all moot now because the Rosenthal report came out and, you know, he got fired today. So um, any more thoughts on the firing? Yeah, I just thought that maybe maybe a day too late. Maybe they should have just, you know, grouped it in with what, what the Astros did instead of kind of putting the spotlight on themselves by waiting for a day. But I can also understand that maybe they weren't quite ready to jump in and make that big of a decision that quickly. But um, other than that, yeah, I, I, I still thought it was the right move. How, how surprised yeah, were you? Know, I, or go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I do think this decision was made yesterday, but with the Red Sox, you know they always cross their T's and dots are, dot their I's, and they want to make sure everything is done with public perception in mind. So I think they were playing it really carefully, um, putting some things out there and just making sure that they are judging the public outrage and public reaction correctly. Um, how... How surprised were were you guys that that Jeffrey Luno, the GM of the Astros, and then AJ Hinch were fired like almost instantaneously? It happened forty two minutes after the um, announcement of the suspensions came down. I just thought I thought that was really swift, and yeah. But what were you guys' thoughts? You know, I do think that there was a mutual understanding with the league, uh, since that punishment wasn't overly harsh, that there was undertone of you are firing these people, um, we're only going to dock you $5 million and four total draft picks. Even some of the baseball guys on Twitter were saying that there were teams that thought this was too light of a punishment. So I think there were, I think there was a mutual understanding that those two were gone, and it was up to the Astros to make it look like they were making it right by uh, clearing out the dirty laundry on their team, which they've been doing now after uh, all their stuff with um, Tanbaum or whatever his name was. So yeah, they're getting used to these firings, and I, I just think that they knew they were going to have to fire these guys as soon as all the repercussions came down. Anyways. Yeah, I, I think that Manfred pretty much told them because the there was a, I forget who reported it, but they basically said Manfred wanted to, you know, he he was sick of the culture there in Houston, uh, which you just alluded to. That yeah, it's it's a bad culture over there. I mean, they they just have a lot of lot of slime balls in that office, and I think Manfred was talking to him saying, "Look, we've we've got the punishment here. Like it's you know the, this this is going to be the suspension. This is going to be your punishment. So, you know, Jim Crane, you do what you're going to do." But here's the punishment, you know, we'll announce it on this date. You do whatever you want to do. So I think Jim Crane already had his mind made up before the announcement even came down that, you know what, these guys are going to get fired. I'm going to fire them after it's posted because, you know, obviously firing them beforehand would look a little more weird. But I I think Crane had his mind made up because I think Manfred kind of told him, like, hey, this is what it's going to be. So you figure out what you're going to do. But, you know, spring training is a month away. So figure it out. Am I crazy or from what Jim Crane has been doing and saying, 
Does anyone else get the kind of vibe that he really doesn't think that this is that big of a deal? Uh, when he was laughing some things off yesterday, and I don't know, I just really don't think he thinks that this whole cheating scandal was that big of an issue to begin with, and I think he thinks that other people are blowing it out of proportion. I don't know if I'm just reading too much into what he's saying and how he's saying it, but that's just the vibe I'm getting uh, picking up off of him lately. Could be that he's trying to, you know, put on a brave face as that's as true. The head of the head of the Astros now saying, yeah. okay, yeah, okay. that would okay. Sense. like he's panicking. Well, yeah. He is contradictory, though, because he instantaneously fires them. But when they're like when they asked him because he had a press conference right after and they said, uh, do you think the sign stealing, you know, you know, effectively gave you that title? Do you think it affected the outcome? He's like, well, I don't I don't really know about that. I mean, you know, and then they said they asked him. Oh, if the culture was bad or whatever, and and he downplayed that. So I'm like, well, if you're downplaying this stuff, you know, why'd you fire the guys? You know, and so <laughs> I think he knows. I just think he he he's just not willing to be held publicly accountable. You know, is the is the difference, and like I think Hinch is replaceable. I think he's an elite manager. Don't get me wrong, but I think you know championships can be won without him. I think the guy they're going to miss the most in terms of success is Luno because I thought he was, I compiled a list. I don't know if it was one through eight or one through 10. I mean, there might've been a 10 GM list and I put Luno number one. I put Alex Anthopoulos of the Braves number two. And I think I put Friedman third, but I was really impressed with Luno and before like, September, October, nobody knew he was a douchebag. You know, nobody knew about the culture issues. And and I was just really impressed with the value he got from his team. I mean, when everybody was going crazy over Machado Harper the, the, the winter before, he played it cool and signed Michael Brantley on a very affordable contract. He got good production out of him. Brantley started the All-Star game and he, you know, played above his head a little bit in the first half anyway, but that's just great value. Like, I would love it, you know, if the Red Sox, like Nick Castellanos would be a guy I would want right now if we could get a guy, you know, and if he ended up being the replacement for Mookie, I, I'd be fine with that. You know, you, you'd need Benintendi to step up and maybe Chavis or something. It's hard to replace Mookie, but... But I just think a guy like Castellanos, a guy like Brantley, slot in very nicely to uh, a, a decent core of players. And 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 then with Luno, going back to him, he got Justin Verlander the last two and a half years of his deal on Rick Porcello money and got a Cy Young out of him <laughs> on the last year of it. And I thought the Grinky deal was good. He got him on a discount. You know, they gave up some prospects, but... I thought that was a smart move. He got Altuve for five years, 150. That's a bargain compared to what Mookie's going to get. Give me Altuve all the time. You know, he's got some knee issues, so I, I hope, you know, he's not going down Dustin Pedroia Avenue, you know, with that. But but I just, like I said, I think he's a brilliant GM, and their pitching program is the best in the sport, you know, they take a guy like Wade Miley, turn him into a number three, you know, up until September, that Ryan Presley acquisition was just brilliant. You know, one of the better relievers in the second half of 2018. I can't say enough about Jeffrey Luno's ability to, to build a roster and not make dumb moves. There's not one contract on that team right now where you can look at and say, Oh, that's stupid. There's at least three of them, you know, with the Red Sox. So, so I think they're going to miss him in terms of that. I don't think, I mean, he, he looks, sounds like he was mini Hitler in the, in the office, you know, just a, just an absolute dictator. Sounds like nobody liked him. And, and, you know, he kind of threw everyone under the bus in his, in his statement, you know? So I don't know. Those were, that's how I, I felt about them. Do you think Hench gets a job again? Or do you think he's done for? I don't think so. 
I don't think teams want to be under the microscope, and I don't think owners do either. Even if he was going around and smashing the monitors like they came out and said, I, it, there's just no reason to bring that kind of attention to your team at this uh, point going forward in you know, a, a year from now. So I, I think all these guys have done. I really don't see them getting other jobs. Maybe in the minors, uh, maybe in a more of a developmental role behind the scenes, but I just don't see them uh, filling up the lineup guard every single day going forward. I think, yeah, I think Hinch potentially could if he really sold the, I, you know, I knew it was happening and I just sort of let it happen, but I wasn't the mastermind. So, you know, I'm still a good manager and I promise I'll never do it again. He won't get like a managerial spot right away. I could see him like, kind of working his way back up slowly, like maybe getting a bench coach job somewhere and doing that for a couple of years under the radar and then becoming a manager, you know, four or five years later. Um, but it's going to be hard. I mean, it, like you said, who's going to trust this guy now? Who's going to trust any of these guys? Um, it, it's going to be hard to do that. And um, as you mentioned earlier, there's so many new names that are coming through this new wave of managers, a lot of them former players, um, who owners and general managers love. So they, I think they would rather hire one of those guys who has, you know, a clean sheet as opposed to hiring AJ Hinch, who has, a, you know, that black cloud that will always follow him around. Um, but I, I think there's still a chance. It, it's just, it's going to take him a lot of time to earn the trust back of people within baseball. And he's definitely going to have to work his way up to it. Yeah. I mean, he's a likable guy and, He's just going to have to have a hell of an apology tour, basically. You know, <laughs> that's uh, that's how that's going to go. And here, one other thought before we, we do move on. This is what I'm, like, super curious about. Like, what, like, how did things stop? Like, how did they get away from that whole scheme? Like, Alex Cora came to Boston, and there's no... The report's going to come out in a couple of weeks by the sounds of it, but there's no evidence that there was an elaborate sign-stealing scheme other than the video room that we know about. So I'm just wondering, like, why it stopped. Was was it because Alex Cora had all the information now and, and they couldn't? Like, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I wonder, yeah, I wonder if they started to sense that MLB was starting to dip their toes in the water there and was, was starting to look into it. Um, I think these investigations probably started a long time ago and it was just little bits of information that they could get, you know, year by year. And now they were finally ready to blow it open. So it could just be that they, they heard the footsteps coming and they said, okay, we gotta, we gotta shut this down a little bit because they're on to us. Yeah, you guys must have heard about the Danny Farquhar thing where he he stepped off the mound like he knew something was going on. Well, I heard on the radio today, or or maybe it was uh, on MLB Network, like they freaked out in the clubhouse that they knew that he knew at that point, and they ran and they took the TV down like right away. <laughs> and I just so they got a little sketch there. So I don't know if anything spooked them, but. I don't know. It's interesting. One of them's going to go on 60 minutes. I shit you not. That will happen. Somebody's going to do it. If Cora gets the biggest punishment, it'll probably be him. You know, if he gets the ban or whatever, um, you know, maybe it'll be Hinch. I don't know. And somebody's going to spill it. So, you know, it's whoever thinks that they got punished the way too harsh and knows that they have nothing to lose because they're not going to uh, be in the industry again. It could be Luna. Who knows? He could just go fully scorched earth at, earth at this point. Um, I mean, he, he's got plenty of money. He's set for life. So, yeah, I think, <laughs> uh, I would love if it was him and he just left no one, no one in his wake. Yeah, Tony Bosch was Alex Cora's uh, steroid dealer, you know, in the biogenesis thing. And he did it, and it was a fascinating interview. And did you guys see Screwball? Have you guys seen that? It's on Netflix. No. I have not, no. That's about that whole scandal, the biogenesis thing, and it's got Tony Bosch in it. It has the initial whistleblower, um, just some other key players in the investigation. It's a really fascinating documentary. It's probably about an hour and a half long. Um, 
I'd check it out. Anyone in the audience as well, you know, if you're looking for content on a January night, that's uh, pretty uh, entertaining. And it's funny at times, too. Uh, so, yeah. But anyway, so getting back to the Red Sox now, we do not have a manager. So that's going to be the topic until it gets resolved. Who are a couple of candidates? Just list off two, Andrew. Who do you like? I'm just going to list one. I just wanted to be Renicky at this point. Just let him take over for this year. It seems to be like it's going to be a team in transition. And then let Bloom go get his guy next offseason. You see it all the time in other sports where GMs uh, that come in want to set their guy in place. They don't want the lame duck manager or coach that was forced upon them by the previous regime. So I just say let Renicky do this one year. Uh, let him audition for other teams. Heck, if it works out, extend him. Um, but I say just give him this one year. Don't get too crazy. Don't keep bringing in new names. And then let Bloom do an extensive search next year. And who knows? Maybe there will be a brand-new hot managerial candidate. And the Red Sox are always going to be a, an appealing destination. So they'd have uh, it, the by far the best shot at picking up whoever they want. Of the of the two names that I would throw out, only one of them I think is actually like, I guess realistic. And even this one, I'm not sure. But I would get, pick up the phone and call either Bruce Bochy or Mike Sosha. I know they're both out there. I think Bochy's like done, done. I don't think he just retired from the Giants. I think he's done managing altogether. So I'm not sure how realistic that would be, um, unless you threw a big pile of money at him. Um, but I, I wouldn't mind them calling Mike Sosha. And again, I don't know what kind of interest he has in the job. Maybe he's done managing too. Maybe he wants to do what Girardi did and kind of take a year off and go do some studio work and then, you know, maybe get a job next off season. But I like those guys because they're both kind of no nonsense, successful managers with a successful track record. They know how to deal with young players and veterans, which the Red Sox have a good mix of both. Um, and they're good at sort of weeding out distractions because the Red Sox are going to have distractions. They're the Boston Red Sox. They always do. But, you know, David Price is a consistent distraction. And I think Bochy and Sosha would both shut him down. Uh, the Mookie Betts situation will be a distraction. I think both those guys could could do a good job of quelling that and keeping the clubhouse focused and not allowing that distraction to take away from the team. So. I just like those two names. Again, I don't know how realistic it is. Maybe they're both just have no interest and don't want to manage at all, no matter how much money you throw at them. But I'd at least pick up the phone and, and give it a shot. Um, with Bochi, I saw a quote from a national writer today. I forget which one. Um, but he was the word that was described at the possibility of him using uh, of him managing the Astros was intrigued. So it sounds like he's at least willing to, to give that, you know, some consideration. Uh, the same writer also said that he, he was pretty content to take at least a year off though. I think, with Bochi specifically, I think the Astros are probably a better fit for him because we're looking at a one to two year transition. I don't know if he really wants that at this point. He's, you know, much like Girardi going into a team that's ready, you know, to win now. I, I think the Astros give him that um, scenario a little bit better. I like Bochi. I wouldn't have a problem with that. I know we we've already, we already know where we stand on Sosha. I'm not a huge Sosha guy. I wouldn't go kicking and screaming if that's the outcome. I would love to see David Price tell Mike Sosha, yeah, I'm not pitching tonight, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, but, you know, I just – I don't know how much you can really blame Sosha on the downfall of the, of the Angels because Artie Moreno is the dumbest owner. Um of all 30 really. So, you know, he probably gets a lot of the blame there, but, um, I, and I think the other thing that comes to mind with Sosha is, is he open to the collaborative philosophy that the Red Sox are trying to embrace here? So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, you kind of pulled that, 
out of thin air. You know, nobody else is talking about it. One guy I'll pull out of thin air. I haven't seen it. Maybe you guys have Buck Showalter. He's a little familiar with the division. Kind of similar, you know, uh, you know, as Sosha. He's not going to put up with any crap. Um, I think he's kind of... He definitely has a high IQ. You know, I think the Orioles at times overperformed with him. So, uh, but the same concern there is, will he be open to the collaborative, you know, style that the Red Sox are doing? I like Renicky as well. Uh, I talked about that last night, I think for a minute, you know, good track record with the Brewers. He might, he could have a Brian Snitker type effect, and nobody expected Snitker to take the the permanent job with the you know the Braves. They fired Freddie Gonzalez, and he. Do you guys hear the story about how Gonzalez found out he was fired? No, <laughs> he was. Man- oh, he was managing. Well, maybe it wasn't during the game because I don't think he could have his phone. But they were on the road somewhere, and they were at the field and he got an alert on his phone that his flight had been, his reservation had been canceled or whatever. (laughs) So he's like, why would that happen? And then, and then they called to tell him that, yeah, we're going to part ways with you, buddy. And it was, it was a mistake. I'm sure that was just something they just didn't foresee, you know, uh, an assistant or whatever canceled it, not knowing he would get it right away. But um, that's how he found out he was fired. But Snicker got the job. They liked him so much, they let him keep it. I wasn't a big Lavello guy when he took over for Farrell. I thought, oh, this, this, the rest of the season is going to be a car crash. Nobody wants to hire this guy. He's interviewed for at least three or four other teams. He's not going to be good. He ended up being like, he ended up being awesome, and I miss him. And I'm. I'm even more bitter now that we didn't hire him, uh, you know, one year earlier than, you know, Farrell got fired. But, but so that's why I'm open-minded towards Renicky, you know, and I don't, I'm not a big subscriber of it has to be a young guy, you know, uh, you know, Francona is still a top manager in his sixties, Madden still a top manager. So, you know, what the hell, um, some other names. Well, let's, I guess let's go into who we don't want and then we can just kick around names in general that don't get brought up and decide if we like them or not. Uh, do you, do you have one or two, Andrew? Yeah. Jason Veritek is at the top of my list. I do not (laughs) want Jason Veritek. I don't even want to hear about Jason Veritek for a while. Go let him coach in the minors. Go let him be a bench coach somewhere. I, Oh, I really just don't want it. And the worst part is, like, I I was thinking about this probably an hour before we came on. I could totally see it happening. Um, I could totally see them doing this uh, after they trade Mookie and everyone else. They're like, oh, damn it. We need to do something to get everyone back on board. And they know the Pink Cats will flock to it. So I really don't want Veritech, but in my worst dreams, I can totally see it come into fruition. Um, he is first and foremost on my list of candidates that I just don't want to see. Uh, so much so, I, I can't. I forget the other guys I was even thinking of because I am that far in on the please do not bring Jason Veritech on board train. So um, give me another second here and I could probably think of another guy, but right now, uh, tech to me. We'll go through some more, but I, I just want to say, Andrew, you are perfect for this podcast because you just pissed off 80, <laughs> 80% of the audience and I love oh, it. And you, and you had the balls to do it. So um, I, I think uh, bring, go ahead. the bring tech guys are going to want Nixon to be the bench coach. And <laughs> yeah. it's, yeah. Red. <laughs> I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear about it. Uh, it was, oh man, that would just, I would not want to watch this season if that's what it came down to. Yeah. That, and that's hilarious as well. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. I did a live stream about this earlier and you made a good point that, you know, maybe they'll do it to kind of right the ship in terms of public perception. And that would be like 48 hours after we trade Mookie, that would be a great moment for a high and bloom to try to win people back. Cause he's in a very unenvi- unenviable position here. He's coming in, he's going to trade yeah. some popular guys. It's, it's a tough spot. 
I don't... Here, here's the thing, and I mentioned this on the live stream earlier. A lot of stars don't typically get hired within their own market because if they were to hire Veritech, and then thing, things aren't going to go well in 2020, but say in 2022, nope. 2023, say we have a bad year that year when the expectations were high, and what's what could end up happening is the fan base is going to side with the manager because of the pre-existing popularity, and then the the you know GM isn't going to have anybody on his side, and that's a tough spot to be in. So I, I think there could be some hesitation there on the part of Bloom, but that's an excellent guy. And I, I mean, I might be open to it if the circumstances were different, but we're just such a mess right now. Like, I'm just assuming we're going to be in far better shape for 2021, but I don't know that. I don't know that we're going to spend, you know, I know Trevor Bauer is a is a free agent that year pitcher, you know, someone we could potentially target, but um, but I just don't know how we're going to be. We don't know what the draft situation is going to be like. <laughs> it's just not the time for Jason Veritek, you know. No. In my I don't even think it's. I don't even think it's fair to Veritek. I, I mean, if he if they go out and lose ninety five games because they trade bets and sale, it just doesn't happen. And six weeks in, he does get Tommy John, which I'm still kind of thinking he's going to recover and be fine. But um, there's potential for everything to go off the rails, and all that's going to do is just kind of tarnish his legacy a little bit. And it just wouldn't be fair to bring in a guy uh, at this point and expect him to win one hundred and ten games and be manager of the year. So I. That's why I just want Renicky for one year. I don't think Renicky has any expectations. I don't think the Red Sox really do. So just get through this year, and then let's take it from there for me. What, what do you think about Veritech, Jason? Um, yeah, I don't think it's the right time to bring in Veritech. I actually don't completely hate the idea of him being a manager someday. I don't want him as a manager right now. Um I, I don't I don't think it's the right time for him. I still don't think he's quite ready either. I know he thinks he's ready, um, but I, I don't think he's ready for a managerial spot just yet. I'd rather see him kind of work his way up as a bench coach first and, you know, do all that stuff. I mean, right now he's, what, just a special assistant? I mean, he's not even really, like, a real coach, so to speak. Yeah, um, what's that title even mean? Yeah, right. <laughs> a special assistant just means that he's on the field, like, 30 minutes before the game talking to the pitchers and catchers and like he's in uniform, but he's not in the dugout during the game. I don't think um, I'm pretty sure he's not allowed to be. So yeah, I, I don't think it's the right time for him. It, it would, it would suck to like bring him in right now with all the, the crap storm that's going on right now. Just it's not the right time. Maybe in a couple of years I'll be more open to it. But for now I, I agree with you. I don't want to hear Veritek's name, even though, we will hear it until they name somebody. We're going to hear all the all the callers on radio. Just all the all the eighty nine year old guys who just put their teeth back in are going to call the radio and say they want Veritech. But no, it, it's not the right time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we're unanimous on that. Um, another guy I brought up. I think we I know where we stand on this, but Dusty Baker will get brought up from time to time, depending on how long this goes. Um, Speaking of your sales arm falling off, yeah, really? Oh my god! <laughs> the last thing he needs Tommy John now. Oh. <laughs> yeah, nice guy, but just not a good fit. And playoff record is pretty ominous as well, you know. So he'll get brought up, but I don't think I, I think his time has has passed him by. Um, another guy might be in a similar spot. What about Ron Washington? He was like the runner up for the Padres job. A lot of people don't seem to like him for whatever reason, whether they they're from the Rangers fan base or wherever. I really don't know what to think. You know, I guess I just, I can't really give an informed opinion. He does have some off the field baggage. You know, he fit, he did Coke and, um, you know, got in trouble for that. And then, Apparently he was screwing around on his wife or whatever, and that got public. <laughs> so, you know, and we we accused Francona of doing drugs, you know, and he wasn't legitimately, <laughs> and you know, so I I don't know, but so you got that stuff. But he he did seem to have a very positive effect on his players. He went to back to back World Series, 
2011. So there is a track record of success there. I don't know if that's someone they would look to, but it's a name that could get brought up. I mean, I wouldn't totally hate it, but just like the same with my thoughts on Bochi and a guy like Sosha, I just don't see how long-term of a solution these guys are if they're just going to be two- or three-year guys. And these are not spring chickens. I know you're not a um, all-board that it has to be young train here, but I, that's kind of my thoughts here uh, that – I. If you're just going to have a stopgap, do you really want to do another managerial search in one to two years, or do you just want to roll with what you have at this point? So I would like just some something in-house. But, yeah, wa- uh, Washington wouldn't be opposed if they brought him in, um, if it was just a basic understanding that it was going to be a year or two. Get him through this uh, rebuild or retooling or whatever we're going to call it here, um, and then we're going to move on. But, yeah, I just don't see how long-term of a solution a guy like that is. Yeah, I I don't hate the Ron Washington idea. I think Tom Werner uh, would hate the Ron Washington idea because you imagine selling that to the fan base. Oh, we we got rid of the cheater, but we're gonna bring in a, a druggie who cheated on his wife, and it was never won a World Series. So so get excited for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I personally wouldn't hate it because I think baseball wise, he's actually a pretty decent manager. But I just don't think it's all that realistic in terms of uh repairing the public image and i don't i also don't think he would want to do it uh especially if it's just for sort of a bridge year or two yeah and he has coached he's been uh i think not a bench coach but a third base coach i think between uh let's see oakland and atlanta i think so you know I, i think he's trying to maneuver his way back into a spot but you know who knows? And I do. I do respect the fact that he's humble enough to go back to that. You know, he's not above. He doesn't seem to be above anything. But yeah, uh, the tweet you shared to me from Pete Abraham, who I hate by the way, G Bob. Uh, <laughs> that was the most. I'm not a Caravas guy, I, and I don't hate Caravas just for the record. His his next show is going to be a funeral, basically for fucking Cora. You know, not having him as manager anymore, but. But I, I am entertained by him uh, to a degree, and the most entertaining week ever was the was the G Bob week when uh, Abraham <laughs> called the guy a grand wizard, and then so people were I laughed so hard they were like they were like geez Farrell's batting Bradley you know ninth instead of seventh isn't that kind of racist Pete <laughs> just little little stuff and I don't know I just. I thought Pete got what he deserved that week. Um, but, yeah, but some names mentioned. We talked about Renicky. I don't like Carlos Feeblis. I, I don't really know. I know he's managed in AAA, but he's not smart enough to put up a stop sign on base runners at third base sometimes. <laughs> and yeah. we get gunned down at the plate. So that's a little <laughs> concerning. Um, Mike Lowell, I think we can kind of put him in the Veritech, uh, you know, category. Um, I like him and if he, in the future, maybe, uh, Sam fold, Mark Loretta, Eric Chavez, Will Venable, any of those names, uh, Chavez was really the only one that piqued my interest there. Um, he seems like a really bright guy and anything he could further, uh, help the development with Devers. I'm on. I'm on board for it because I mean he's pretty much their star of the future. So maybe a Chavez guy. I think it would be kind of outside the box hiring. I'm pretty sure he did some work with the Yankees recently. Um, I think he might have been a special assistant. I could be totally wrong on that too. Um, but yeah, I guess Chavez. Uh, if I had to pick one of those guys, would uh, would be would be the one. Um, I think Lowell is doing TV, so. He's probably pretty happy with getting the paycheck he's getting right now, just to only work a couple hours a night and not be on the road all the time. So, yeah, I uh, wouldn't mind Chavez. I liked him as a player. thought he was great. Um, stunk that he was injured as much as he was. But um, I think he might have a pretty good perspective on things, especially being in uh, that Oakland organization all those years and seeing what Billy Bean, um, Bean was doing. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind. I- I'd be open to that one. Yeah, I, I think out of those four, Chavez and Loretta stood out to me, um, only because I think as players, 
they were highly intelligent. They, they had really good baseball IQs. And um, Will Venable, to me, seems too new. Like, I actually didn't know that he had officially retired. I, I, I thought he was still playing somewhere out in San Diego. Um, so I think he, you know, he kind of needs to build up his managerial experience somewhere first. Um, and Sam Fold, I, I, I don't see it. I, I, I don't know what Sam Fold's been up to since he retired, whenever that was, whenever he stopped being the legend of Sam Fold down there in Tampa. I don't know. Um, but I, I, Loretta and Chavez, to me, stand out as, you know, if they brought either of those guys in, I wouldn't hate it. I'd, I'd be willing to give it a shot. Yeah, and I see Loretta is one of the guys that is the reason why Corey's never going to work again. One of those really high baseball IQ guys, um, held his own in the majors, but these guys are retiring every year, and the next batch is just coming in to coach. So, yeah, that uh, Loretta is a perfect example of what I was talking about earlier. And, yeah, I, I wouldn't have any opposition uh, towards Loretta either. Uh, with the Rays, I'm admittedly not too familiar with them. Uh, Matt, is it Quartero, something like that? Quartero, I believe, yeah. Yeah, he, he had interviewed uh, with a couple of teams this offseason, and you know, there's a connection because High and Bloom comes from that organization. You know, What are your thoughts on him? I just don't see that that would happen because he's he's the bench coach there, correct? So I mean, they're getting ready for spring training just like the Red Sox are. So, and I think managers are different than players, where you can't just throw a pile of cash at him and he's going to go, oh, okay, I'll come. Like, I managers are more like, well, I've already put in so much work with this team, I'm going to be putting in more in the next month. Like, I'm committed to the Rays this season. I'm not going to leave just because he throw a pile of money at me. I'm not going to leave them high and dry. Um, so I, I just don't see him leaving this close to spring training and kind of screwing over the Rays a little bit like that just to take a managerial job, which he may not even have for more than like a year or two. So I, I just don't see him leaving. Yeah, I don't know if uh, baseball is similar to football in this uh, in this sense where you can block a guy that's under contract from interviewing. But if I were the Rays, I'd be pissed if the Red Sox came knocking. Um all of a sudden, the team that might have been cheating you out of some wins every year is going to take your bench coach uh, less than a month before pitchers and trainers report. Yeah, I, I would be up in arms if I were the Tampa organization. And quite frankly, I don't know why Kotaro would, would want to come here at this point. <laughs> it's kind of a dumpster fire at the, it, with uh, all the unsettled issues that the Red Sox go, have going on personnel-wise. So, um, yeah, I, I don't see it. I I don't know enough about him to oppose it or be for it. So, uh, but yeah, uh, if I were the Rays, I'd be very upset with um, with the Red Sox if they poached one of my guys right now. Yeah, it just depends on the relationship, and th- this is a unique situation, though. I mean, I can't remember a team looking for a manager in January. You know, so I don't yeah. know what the rules That's are. Happen- and whatnot. I know the Marlins gave Mike Redman a three-year extension one winter, and then literally nine games into the season, fired him. <laughs> yeah, let alone year. two games right now. And do we know what's going to happen with Beltron? Is is he going to get anything either, or is he is he coming off? Uh, is he was he let off the hook here? Beltran is is skating like no one has ever skated. Oh, good for him. Because <laughs> he, he was technically like a player when that was all going on. And exactly. Manfred was like, well, I'm not going to, not going to, you know, punish him. Yeah, another player's player. got touched by this, I guess. Yeah. So Beltran's just sitting there like, yeah, he's good. It's just a public <laughs> perception thing. I, I had a tweet yesterday where I said Beltran basically just got an OJ Simpson, Richard Nixon level pardon here, you know, because he just, he walked like they couldn't really touch him because he was a player. And the Mets are like another like they've had more success recently than the angels have, but that's just an organization that can't get out of its own way. That should probably burn down its own stadium. Like that's where they need to start the rebuild. Like they need to, they need to start over completely. And, and so it's just, I don't know if they can handle the fact that it's a bad look, then, you know, then he's going to be fine and he's going to, you know, he's going to manage. But did you guys see the press conference when he got hired and then Brody Van Wagenen was up there basically 
drooling and like talking about him like he was the Pope, you know, and was like just praising him. It was just over the top praising. And, and Brody he, can still sell it like an agent. You know, he really can. That's what it is. He still has that mindset where he's got to pitch his guy. So, yeah, I'm not too – I wasn't too surprised to see that. (laughs) Yeah, I just – it was way over the top. And I think Wagonen's on the hot seat this year. Uh, You know, it's his, what, his second year, third year, something like that. And, you know, he made some moves last year. didn't work out. The Diaz move, maybe he has a bounce back year having Robinson Cano coming off of a, you know, a, a failed steroid test. Not a, not a good look, a lot of money with there. Familia didn't work out. Um, you know, you got a big decision with Dom Smith right now, who I would, that's a guy I want to see in Boston. I don't know if you guys have been paying any attention to that with him being, uh, blocked over there by Alonzo. I, I, I was kind of hoping uh, the Mets and the Red Sox would be talking about Dom Smith. I've been waiting for that story all offseason, and it still hasn't come, unfortunately. Yeah, well, there was some talk about maybe Mookie. I, I don't know if anything got serious or if it was just speculation between writers, but they haven't had a great outfield in forever, so you know, yeah. that, that could have been a fit. And Brody's erratic enough to <laughs> – to pull off a move like that. <laughs> you know, why the hell did he trade for Strowman? I just, I never thought that was going to happen last July. But, um, but you know, Van Wagenen is on the hot seat. And, I mean, it just fits the script for Beltran to come in, just bomb completely. Brody gets fired. They got a new owner that's going to take over gradually over the next several years. And maybe within five years, he's the majority owner, something like that. Some investment guy or whatever. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, th- someone had a tweet out there, uh, yesterday and it said that, uh, Carlos Beltran's punishment is that he has to manage the Mets. So <laughs> that's kind of what I've Pretty been tough. getting at. Yeah. So whatever, he deserves all the bad karma and I'm not going to feel bad about the Mets. That, I mean, remember the season Matt Harvey like blew off the whole game. I don't think he was starting, but he didn't show up one night uh, you know, during a game because he was mad his girlfriend dumped him for Julian Edelman, by the way. <laughs> you know, he was just such a mess. And oh man, and Syndergaard, that, that clubhouse is toxic. I mean, Syndergaard a couple of years ago, they wanted him to have an MRI on his arm or shoulder or something, and he refused to do it. And then had to leave his next start in the first inning and went on the DL for two months. I mean, this is the type of crap going on there. Like the inmates are running the asylum and I just, it's a terrible organization. And uh, yeah, so that's what's going on with Beltran. Um, One thing that came to mind, I I probably should have mentioned it earlier. Um, I don't think this would be a factor, but do you think where Ron Renicky probably had knowledge of what was going on in the video room a couple seasons ago, could that hurt him? Like, cause the investigation is going to come out and I don't think it's going to be focused on him much if at all, but, but do you think they would just want to look at that as a situation where we're just better off moving on from him too? I don't know. I, I really think Corey is the fall guy here. I, I'm pretty sure that everyone else is going to skate by on this um, in terms of the Red Sox organization. I think we probably would have heard something about Renegade tonight as well because uh, they easily could have just snuck that in at the bottom of the press conference where they uh, – what did they say? They mutually agreed to part ways. So – um yeah i I think renicky is gonna get off free here i don't think he's gonna take any of the burden yeah it it shouldn't affect him too much um i mean if he's named the new manager then obviously those questions are going to come up i mean if if they do decide to go with renicky then obviously everyone around baseball is going to go well he was there when it was all happening so how big a role did he play and i don't know when this report finally does come out when they do conclude it and the whole thing comes out about the Red Sox. I don't know if they'll name specific names or if they'll they'll say this the majority group that was involved. Um, but if he is, then it might be better if they keep him as bench coach at least. That way he can kind of hide that way a little bit. And they go out and get a new manager. And the new manager kind of takes all the headlines and 
they sort of prove that like, hey, we really are moving on from that. Um, so yeah, it, it shouldn't affect him too much unless he's named the manager. Yeah, and that's what I was was kind of wondering. So we'll see. I I like him, so I, I hope that n- you know nothing really gets put on him. Uh, before we wrap here, I just want to point out one more thing about Alex Cora. Just speaking to the magnitude of of what happened, I pointed out already that it only took him a couple of months to start with these shenanigans. But he he was hired as the bench coach on November 16th of 2016. So, you know, that winter coming into the 2017 season. And the one thing that I just can't get my mind, I I just can't let go of is what if they didn't hire him? What if it was someone else? This whole thing wouldn't have happened. This whole thing wouldn't have happened. Like that's, that's how huge of a role he had here. And ultimately, once the plan got formulated, all of them, you know, participated and, and put it into motion and, and executed it. But it was his concept. So I just can't help but wonder if, you know, A.J. Hinch in bed tonight and, and Jeffrey Lunau thinking, man, why did we hire that guy? You know, look at all the trouble that terrible idea got us into because if they if Cora isn't there AJ Hinch is probably one of the best managers of this generation I mean when the Yankees fire Boone whenever that happens to be Hinch is a guy they would want and maybe he goes there and becomes the next great Yankees manager and and Jeffrey Luno, I mean, who knows? I mean, he he might have had his own issues before long anyway with his leadership style. But but these guys are out of a job because of a concept that came from Alex Cora's head. You know, I just I just can't. It's just yeah, and everyone threw him under the bus. Yeah, Cora really definitely changed the landscape of baseball. For better or for worse, he really put his own uh, fingerprint on the history books for the end part of the 2010s. Um, You really can't tell the story of 2016 on without mentioning any any of the stuff that was his doing. He literally rewrote the history for the Dodgers, who – if they had won back-to-back World Series, we never would have heard the end of. Uh, swayed millions of dollars either way. You Darvish is looked at completely differently. He's getting screwed in this whole situation um, after he had that terrible – it wasn't even that bad of a start. I think the Dodgers only managed to push one run across. But, uh, yeah, he changed everything. He changed the whole history books and – it's going to be interesting when you look back at this in 10 to 15 years, how, uh, how the story's told. And I don't think it's going to be kind to Cora. That's for sure. He also no, got I mean, Girardi fired as well, essentially. Yeah. If the Yankees yeah. win that series, they go to the world series. I mean, I suppose he could still be fired. It'd be hard to do it if they won the world series, but, but you know, so he impacted Girardi as well, but uh, go ahead, Jason. No, I was just going to say, I mean, his name now is going to be synonymous with the biggest cheating scandal in baseball history. It's going to be like when we talk about the steroid era and, you know, we talk about McGuire, Bonds, A-Rod, like those names come up. Whenever we talk about cheating in baseball, Alex Cora's name is going to be right up there with like pretty close to like Pete Rose level of cheating. It's like it's right up there now. So it's unbelievable the, the fall from grace that. He went from being, you know, one of the most successful managers in Boston Red Sox history to now being probably the biggest cheater in MLB history in a span of less than two years. It's unbelievable. And now he, what is he, the front runner for Field of Dreams too? <laughs> when they remake that, like thirty years, he's going to be coming out of the cornfields and uh, <laughs> taking the place of Shoeless Joe. So good for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're having a field of dreams game I, did you guys hear about that the Yankees no. and someone are going to play a game next year in a cornfield <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, I think it's That'll a regular season game yeah I'll, I'll watch that <laughs> yeah so anyway uh, 
so we'll just kind of keep an eye out on the manager thing. Maybe they'll sneak in a trade here finally. Who knows? Um, and uh, we'll just go from there. I had some stuff on John Henry, but I'll just save that. But all right, guys. Good night. Good job. And uh, it's going to be an interesting month. <laughs> yeah, it is. Be a lot of fun. Yeah. Days, only a few weeks till the pitchers and catchers. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot to talk about before that. Hopefully they don't do manager by committee. Couldn't you see that concept being born in Boston? Oh, I'd love it. They can bring back those, like, the he's the manager, like the he's the A shirts that, like, Wade Miley and Buckle to wearing. It'd be perfect. Oh, God. That's my least favorite season ever. I hate that one more than the Bobby Valentine one. But That's saying a lot. Yeah, I just knew I wanted Hamill so bad. And then as soon as – as soon as they got uh, Rick Porcello, I, I knew the dream was dead, <laughs> and we, we were going to have a terrible rotation, and and I that's why I hated that year. At least with Valentine, the expectations were higher coming in, and it, there was tons of talk because of what he said the night before, or whatever. You know, it was an entertaining season, you know. So, yeah, and then I, 2015 was when I finally wanted Farrell to get fired, you know, and he didn't pinch when he didn't walk Nelson Cruz that one game. Cause first was open to get to the, whoever it was. And, and then there was a time where he left the infield shallow and Prince Fielder, Prince Fielder goes from first to home and it was a walk off. It, it was, a, yeah. Josh Hamilton had the hit. That's who it was. Hamilton was at the plate and he had his infield so far in, and it went to the wall. Fielder goes from fucking first to home. I was like, we got <laughs> to get rid of this guy. We got to get rid of this guy. But all right. Anyway, I could, I could, uh, I could say bad things about John Farrell all night. But have a good night, guys. <laughs> Take care. Take care. Another episode in the books did not expect to be, well, I can't say I didn't expect to be on 24 hours later, but I, I kind of expected it would probably be um, at least a 48-hour window before we came back, but we did. It was a great show. Um, hope you enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully we'll be back before long. There should be some news throughout the week. Maybe do a, let's see, Taste Tuesday. Yeah, so who really knows? Could do one Thursday, could do one Sunday. Uh, just stay tuned for that. Everyone have a good rest of your week if we don't see you. And uh, take care.